0: welcome to zion fellowship's bible wire in these podcasts we discuss what the bible says line upon line and precept upon precept today ben allen will be continuing our study on the book of acts settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who god is and how he loves Right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is now our uh, few episodes in, probably over 70 episodes or almost 70 episodes at this point. We're in Acts chapter 22. If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts 22 verses 1 through 11 or listen along as I read it out in the ESV. It says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to those, to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone round me There you will be told that all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. End quote. All right. So in this section, we now see Paul giving a speech in his familial language about his testimony on the road to Damascus. His loyalty to the Jewish listeners shows quite explicitly with his address, starting with brothers and fathers in his choice language, and also in the mentioning of being raised in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel in his reference to Ananias' ministry, his reference to God uh, of our fathers, and finally in his statement uh, of his vision in the temple. He was doing very much, as much as he could, to pay respect for his Jewish heritage. You should take note that the speeches in Acts 22 through 26, chapter 26, are forensic in character. What do I mean by that? They're more designed for defense and attack than Paul's previous addresses. However, an evangelistic and persuasive aspect of these speeches is, uh, can also be observed too, particularly when Paul is uh, teaching about the resurrection from the dead. In the first two verses, he uses the word defense, or in Greek, apologia, uh, which was a technical term that was used by Plato and uh Josephus in various places, and it was used by Christians both formally and informally. Acts 25.16, 1 Corinthians 9.3, 2 Corinthians uh, 1 Peter 3.15. It's a word used rarely, actually, in the New Testament, occurring only eight times, all of which from Paul except one place, but outside the New, Greek New Testament, it's used quite a lot. This is where we get the word apologetics from. <clears throat> Excuse me. Reading out of the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology and Exegesis, it says, the noun apologia occurs eight times, twice in Acts, in, obviously in the context of Paul's legal defense, Acts 22.1, 25.16, once in 1 Peter, where Christians are told to, they must always be ready for a defense, pros apologion. Of their hope, 1 Peter 3.15, and five times in the rest of Paul's writings. In Philippians 1.7, with this word uh, confirmation, uh, Paul indicates how the judicial process became an opportunity for him to preach the gospel. The term occurs twice in the Corinthian correspondence, once with reference to Paul's own defense to those in Corinth who have attacked him and once in a description of the Corinthians' godly sorrow. And finally, at the end of his life while in Roman prison, Paul grieves that at his initial legal defense before the imperial authority, no one stood by him, 2 Timothy 4.16. What can we learn from this? What is Luke trying to tell us about this word choice? The rest of the book of Acts takes on a very legal setting. It seems like Luke is helping us again with his word choices. Witnesses are mentioned who can confirm various aspects of Paul's defense, and the Lord's appearance is recording in a recorded in a form that would appeal to an audience used to hearing accounts of such divine encounters. Paul's continuing loyalty to Israel is later explained in terms of his commitment to proclaim the hope of Israel fulfilled in Jesus the Messiah. A defense of his gospel about the risen Jesus is ultimately connected with the defense of his mission. Uh, commentator says, rightly points out that in light of Jesus's words in Luke twelve eleven through 12, uh, 21, 12 through 15, a Christian apology includes the concept of witness of, to him. Skinner adds that such predictions evoke an expectation of and confidence in divine guidance from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus Himself. Jesus' promises are fulfilled when Paul is enabled to testify in synagogues and prisons before governors and kings. Paul secures the attention of the Jerusalem crowd. They become very quiet by addressing them in Aramaic, could also be Hebrew as well, but Most of them spoke Aramaic, so it could be a toss-up of either one. Anyway, in the final section, Paul tells his Damascus Road experience, uh, such repetition in the narrative of Acts highlights the importance of that event for him, for an understanding of the significance of Paul's mission as well. The The second and third accounts differ in detail and style from the first, especially in that they are told from Paul's own point of view rather than from Luke's perspective as narrator. Luke intends the effect of the three accounts to be cumulative. The accounts differs from the others by including two questions from Paul to Jesus rather than one. The response to the first, who are you, Lord, is the revelation of the heavenly status of the Nazarene. And in all three accounts, there's this repetition of the revelation that Paul has been persecuting the glorified Jesus by persecuting his people. The response to Paul's second question, what shall I do, Lord, is the command to go into Damascus and wait there for further instruction. Between these questions and... And answers, the wording of verse 9 suggests that although the encounter had a character that we all could see, only Paul, or excuse me, only the, the people that were with him could see, but only Paul heard what was said, particularly the words that point forward to his commission. The beginning of this account stresses the supernatural brightness of the light accompanying the divine voice, verse 6 and 7. The conclusion makes it clear that Paul was actually blinded by the light, verse 11. So let's, before we wrap up, let's look at the last few verses in the uh, from the pillar commentary. We'll, I'll, I'll quote and says, uh, Paul says, My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. At first glance, this appears to contradict chapter 9, verse 7. However, both narratives, let me say that again, both narratives are stressing that Paul's companions shared to some extent in the experience, while not enjoying the full revelation granted to Paul. They saw the light. They did not see the risen Jesus. They heard the sound, but did not understand the voice of him who was speaking. The difference between 9, 7, chapter 9, verse 7, and here in two nine is obvious from the Greek syntax with the former using uh, an absolute to mean the sound and the later qualifying it with a substitute a substantive particle um, to mean the voice of him who was speaking. And so the light, the, the light blinding Paul was around noon implies it outshone the sun at its strongest time. Which might echo Deuteronomy twenty eight twenty eight through twenty nine, which says, "The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you." But b- before the audience, Paul wanted to be clear about Jesus's identity. Jesus informed Paul that he had not only been persecuting the church, but also the Lord himself and his eagerness to stamp out Christianity. The truth highlights the special relationship between Christ and the church. Jesus didn't execute Paul on the Damascus Road, instead, he turned the terrorist into an evangelist by his amazing grace. Paul was commissioned, not consumed. We'll look further into Paul's speech next episode. If you haven't already, please follow this podcast. Share this with someone who's interested in learning about the book of Acts. I know that I didn't get to finish this speech, but it's all the same really important that I really take my time with this. Thanks. Bye-bye. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.